Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let me ask you this. Do you like beer? Let me ask you this. Do you like free? I've asked those questions in the wrong order for a reason. Because my third question I've kept until now. Do you like free beer? As a valued listener, we'd like to bestow upon you just that. Free beer. Thanks to our good pals at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious and painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is this. Go to www.beer52.com forward slash West Ham and cover just the postage of £4.95. And as if that wasn't enough, as a listener to the Stop Hammer Time podcast, you'll get two extra free beers. So... That's ten free beers, if you've been paying attention. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer. No surprise, then, that they are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 delivers a case with a different theme. Themes have included German, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California... New Zealand, and many more. But they haven't forgotten their roots. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time. The power is in your hands, as well as the best, most interesting beer money can buy. Your case will include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment, which explains the theme and individual beers you'll receive, and a beery snack is thrown in, just to top it all off. You don't like dark beers? Who cares? Choose the light plan. Easy. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash West Ham to get your case free. And don't forget, right now, the Stop Hammer Time podcast listeners will get two extra free beers. I thank you. Hello and welcome to Stop. And this is, I believe, our uh, uh, possibly our third or fourth uh, lockdown stop hammer time. Uh, Jim, how many? How many is it? Three? I think it's. I think this might be the fourth. Might be the fourth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 
doesn't time fly doesn't time fly jim yeah um what are you uh how, what are you wearing what are you wearing clothes uh clothes yeah. mainly uh i'm wearing um yeah clothes uh right, right. a sweatshirt and a t-shirt what a, what, a, what, a, what a sound picture you're painting jim a, a picture of words well, i'm of wearing i'm wearing current a, outfit a, clothes he said yeah. invoking yeah. the yeah. lake it's imagery oh, I, I don't really i haven't you know uh, are you what are you have you dressed down are you kind of are you kind of doing that kind of well i'm nobody's going to see me so i might as well just stay in my pajamas all day thing or or what uh, a little bit a little bit little yeah. Bit. yeah yeah um now i like to kind of sort of kind of try and keep a sense of kind of normality and structure to the day if i can right uh, By going out and going to school and teaching your pupils and then going to the <laughs> shops and then to the pub in the evening. Well, no, it's actually the holidays. It's the holidays. Right. Ah, yes. All right, then you are. Then, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's pretty standard holiday stuff. Yeah. Also joining us this week, it is the author of An Irrational Hatred of Luton, West Ham Till I Die, The Legacy of Barry Green, and An Irrational Hatred of Everything. It's Robert Banks. Hello, Rob. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you for having me. And how's how's life in lockdown for you? Um, yeah, it's uh, frustrating not being able to, you know. I mean, making the best of it, cooking, doing a lot of cooking. Yes. Uh, not, I'm not bizarrely not missing the football too much, but no, me neither. More no. talk about it. Perhaps I'll start to miss it. But uh, <laughs> what, no. what, sort of, what sort of stuff are you knocking up, Rob? What's your what's your what are your specialities? Um, I'm making I'm making bread twice a week, nice. so that we've got we've got a uh, fresh loaf every twice a week, and uh, I just made a cake this afternoon. Nice, um, mm, nice. Yeah. I have never ever made a cake. I've never baked a cake. I yeah. no, nor have I. Nor have I. Ah, I no, I, I'm not. I love. <laughs> I say interesting. I mean, not interesting, but <laughs> but it's interesting to us. It's interesting to us that. Uh, um, listeners, you may want to turn away for this bit. Uh, it's slightly <laughs> harrowing as Jim and I talk about baking for uh, about five minutes. Oh, yeah, I've got a... I'll, I'll, I'll post. I'll post up a recipe later. Do yes, do yeah, do. do that. Um, so uh, uh, later on in the podcast, we'll discuss uh, some of the videos that uh, Rob has returned to posting on the internet after after a, a fair delay where where uh, you haven't been doing it for a little while now. Back with a vengeance uh a a, a, um, a chronological posting of videos uh from the boys of 87 season um the uh, the triumphant boys of 87 season onwards and uh, there's quite a lot up there at the moment uh so if you're you are missing the football uh there's plenty to watch on the stop hammer time um, facebook page uh, links uh probably linking through to uh rob i imagine you have a video channel on youtube that, uh, in which in which all of them are collated is that right uh what i'm planning to do is i have got a channel on youtube but uh haven't uploaded them onto youtube yet but i will do uh once oh, I've, the editing of them that takes the time and sort of converting them into something that you can upload that's what mm. takes the time it's um right. the actual the actual sort of um cutting and splicing them together is pretty quick but then you've got to convert it into something that you can do upload you have that, a special sort of widget for that a kind of bit of yeah stuff. Yeah, you see, that the reason I stopped doing it was because my old laptop was so slow um, and 
the software that I needed was on that and I didn't have a license key to put it on my new laptop but I have since sorted that out so um so you won't be able to stop me now now that we're in lockdown I think it's important to keep the troops entertained well yes. I've been enjoying them yeah been very good thank you very much yes excellent excellent uh now um in the last few days uh, you may have seen that uh, as a response to uh self-isolating and uh, lockdown uh paolo di canio uh, posted a very eccentric video of himself in what i imagine is his back garden uh ball juggling whilst singing i'm forever blowing bubbles um this he sees as his way of uh, ennobling and uh, uh, motivating and uh, uh, enhancing the morale of housebound uh, West Ham fans. Well, I think it, I think it's done it. It was a toss-up between that one and the Queen, really, for me. The Queen, oh, right, yes. The Queen's, Queen, Queen's ball skills weren't quite so good, though. Were no, 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 she's... Uh, She's uh, she's lost a lot of that um, hand-to-eye coordination and spatial awareness that made her such a fantastic uh, uh, five-a-side player uh, in, uh, in in the nineteen fifties. Yes, it was. It was a, a, a rival to the Queen's Speech as as a, a great motivator of the nation. Um, yeah. Yes, he is mad, isn't he? He's as mad as cheese, uh, but we do we do love him. He's wearing he a fine uh, retro West Ham top in that. Yes, yes. In and that, uh, in the traditional Paolo Di Canio style, it's clearly like a child's size. Yeah. So <laughs> fits, well, it's, in uh, fact, I think it's a version of the, I think it's the sort of the same one that, uh, or, or the same uh, style that uh, years ago I bought for uh, for Zoe. The, um, oh, right. The, uh, Perhaps it yeah, is that one. The sulky teen. Well, I don't think it is. I'm hoping it's not that one, but uh, yeah. Which for many many years, as a little girl, she she wore as a nighty. It was because I right. couldn't get a small, couldn't actually get a small enough size, so it was like huge on her. It's the V neck, isn't it? It's a sort of early sixties, isn't it? Yeah. Aren't there pictures of Bobby Moore? In? Yeah, late fifties, early sixties, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's got a V. Bobby Moore, yeah. V-neck short sleeves and the very uh, sort of you know brutalist uh, hammers badge, which yeah. in a sense we've now returned to a bit, a little I, bit. I, I like it. Actually. Yes, me too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's classic. Uh, yes, and it shows a kind of um, empathy with the fans that De Canio is not just wearing a West Ham shot, you know, sort of top that he got from a local sports shop. He's actually got a kind of a vintage one that looks good. You know, yeah. that's typical of the man. He kind of understands not only the club, but its fans. Yeah, he got the club in a way that, you know... Is unusual in overseas players in some respects, isn't it? I mean, Tevez to a certain extent, even even in his yeah. brief time, kind of got the club. That that you know when he scores that first goal and whips his jumps into the crowd, brings it round his head, and jumps into the crowd. You had that kind of real sense that yeah, he he he's he's got this. And and some of those well, a lot of his goal celebrations go straight to the fans and the world. Yeah. Is, you know. Um, well, I think the Argentinians are quite sort of passionate, aren't they? Uh, Lanzini often jumps into. There was a yeah. he scored a goal a couple of seasons ago where he literally leapt into the crowd and they caught him. Um, you know, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I think that the you know they're a kind of um, you know they're from a sort of freezing cold climate. They're quite hard and they understand what the fans you know like down there in Patagonia. It's a uh, you know they're they're I think they're quite. You know, they're hardy 
people, the Argentinians, and sort of get what kind of people that work hard every week and go and watch a football match at the weekend sort of are into and want mm. game, you know. Mm. Um, I think, uh, yeah. think Decanio's relationship with West Ham fans is um, fairly unique in his career. I think it is quite a special relationship between us and him in that I've spoken with fans of Sheffield Wednesday, Celtic, um, and even Charlton to a degree where he, I think those are the other clubs he played for in England. Um, and, and whilst they all hail him as a genius, um, I don't think any of them had that connection with him in the way that we do. No. Um, yeah, I think the, uh, um, certainly the Glaswegians sort of uh, regarded him very fondly. Um, mm. You know, taxi drivers and stuff. I did a kind of 2002, so he would have still been with us. I, I did a kind of job up in um, uh, Glasgow where I had to be there sort of for about 16 weeks, Monday to Thursday, working on a TV show. And the sort of t- taxi drivers in Glasgow, uh, you know, really loved him. Really sort mm. of, they were sorry to. Uh, you he know. wasn't there that long, was he? I mean, he, he spent more time at West Ham there. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, but it's uh, so if you haven't seen this uh, uh, vid, it's certainly on the kind of Stop Hammer Time uh, Facebook page. Quite a few people have posted it up. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> he is he is very mad. Uh, this week also saw uh, Teddy Sheringham's birthday. He's fifty uh, fourth, I believe, and. Uh, um, it's interesting thinking about some of those uh, players we got in in our um, uh, relegation season and then the seasons in the championship. There were sort of three that jump out. Uh, Les Ferdinand was in the season that sort of took us down. Um, yeah. Then we were down, it was Brian Dean and then Teddy Sheringham. These sort of veteran strikers that came into the team, all of whom I thought did a really good job. Yeah, they were all good yeah. players. I mean, Sheringham especially was... Yeah, it was fantastic. Well, he oh, played for quite absolutely. a while. I mean, both of them. Yeah. Uh, Celez really only came after Christmas in 2003. I think we might have had an injury of some kind. And uh, um, I think got injured. <laughs> but in, in in the couple of games he played for us, he looked all right. Um, Sheringham... Think... Oh. Go on. No, sorry, because I was going to say, Sheringham... Um was the player that uh, proves that the first yard uh, in football is in the, in the head because yeah. he's, he, he never, even in his, in his youth, he was never the quickest, was he? Never yeah. the, the pace, paciest player, but how many goals did he score through his career um, at the, at the absolute top level, uh, absolute quality player. Yeah. I think a uh, creator as well though, wasn't he? You know, mm. it, it was, he was um, a team player. My mem- my thought, you know, my recollection of him, the thing that struck me about him watching him, because you never really, I'd seen him obviously a lot uh, uh, do horrible things against us, uh, but you never kind of watch players in the same way until they, until they play for your team. And mm. the thing that struck me about him was that he just always received the ball in space. Yeah. Often just by standing still. <laughs> but... Yeah. He was never, he never had someone, you know, he always found that little bit of space to, to receive the ball. And, uh, yeah, you're right, you know, he was, he was an amazing football brain, amazing football Well, somebody stuck up a, a compilation of all of his West Ham goals. I don't, 
know whether that's on our Facebook page or whether it's on, you know, on the club website or something. It's on the club, it's on the club website. Yeah, it's great though. And I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, they are Johnny on the spot goals. A lot of them are inside the six yard box. A lot of them are tap-ins. A lot of them are sort of, you know, deflected from the keeper trying to make a save and then just comes to him. And, um, you know, like, I mean, he is sort of in that tiny amount of space that you're, requires you to swing your leg back and kick the ball into the goal. Um, but it is, um, you know, you sort of think Antonio would maybe get half of them, even though they're quite often very close to the goal and they're tap-ins. They're, they're, you know, they're not they're not nailed on tap-ins. And uh, it is, his finishing is flawless, you know, uh, it comes yeah. out to him and he puts it in. Obviously, it's not a compilation of his misses, so he would have missed some of them. But um, but all of them, you sort of think, oh, yeah, no, he puts it in exactly the right place. He knows exactly what he's doing. It's often a first time, you know, it's quite reactive. Those sort of tap-ins, are, they don't score themselves because they require you to react quickly uh, to stick it in the net. And boy, does he do that. They're fantastic. Yeah. So just be in that right place, you know. Just have an instinctive sense of how 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 the the um, the, the the move is going to develop. You know what I mean? Yeah, he is a terrific finisher. Yeah, and he yeah. said that one of my my favourite goal, one of my favourite goals of his was uh, against Wolves. Yeah, uh, when he he was uh, he, he was running to space, and there was just Jolyon Lescott, I think, was playing for Wolves um, early part of his career, and he just chipped it over him. It, it just with a little flick of the foot, just chipped it so that it went over Lescott's leg, just enough yeah. to go over his leg, and then he recon, you know, got control of the ball again and just yeah. slotted it in the corner. Um, yeah. Amazing. Uh, whether he meant it or not, I don't yeah. know, but he, he had everything under control, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an extraordinary player, yeah. And a sort of, a, you know, just a great sort of character, wasn't he? He sort of, um, you know, he married some attractive, I think sort of, PR woman aged 50 and sort of started uh, started a kind of uh, a family, uh, having been quite a sort of bachelor boy and turning up at award ceremonies and stuff like that. He might have sort of married quite early in his career and that, you know, that that uh, fell apart. I might be wrong about that, but... Uh, it was, he uh, was involved in the famous dentist chair incident, wasn't he? Yes, it? he was, yeah, yeah. Well, he was quite a kind of, um, quite a Jack the Lad, wasn't he? He obviously... Yeah likes his um, uh, card games, uh, wiped out uh, Matthew Etherington. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Um, Rob, you're, you're one of your, I think possibly the, the latest of your uh, little compilations that you've put on Facebook, of course, includes uh, Sheringham scoring against West Ham for Millwall in the, yeah. in the Simod Cup. Um, yeah. I think Cascarino scored as well for them. Yeah, I mean, what a stri- what a strike duo they were, that and they played together. Pretty good, yeah, weren't they? Yeah. Um, but, uh, that was yeah. a, a an awful, uh, a terrible night. It was, um, only eleven and a half thousand at Upton Park that night. Uh, great big gaping gaps on the South Bank, where the I think, that, in fact, I think the whole of the South Bank was closed except for the mill. Yeah, they were all squished section. into that into that yeah. west corner of it, weren't they? Helicopters buzzing overhead and. Yeah. Um, Police dogs outside every exit. Um, well, that's what you get, isn't it? When you play Millwall, and to go one nil up, and then and then they they mugged us in this sort of late on, if I recall. Right. I didn't go to that game. I will. I will. Uh, mm. 
Yeah. That first part of that season, I didn't really... I was sort of coming back to West Ham, having had a kind of... My university years and just after, I'd kind of, I'd kind of lost touch a bit. Um, yeah. So it was 80... Well, I think I suspect, like a lot of people, it was 85, 86 that kind of pulled me back in, really. Um, and so just come I off the back of... Sorry. Yeah, go on. No, I was going to say, I'd come off the back of doing every game home and away in 86, 87. And um, suddenly had to start working Saturdays, and it was a bit of a withdrawal. Yeah, uh, for me. So I could only go to the evening games. I was at that Barnsley, that Barnsley game. Oh, yeah, five that was Boris show, wasn't it? Two 0 up, lost five two. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, just just uh, evening and bank holiday games. I was able to go to. I think later in the season we beat yeah. Chelsea four one on Easter Monday. Yeah, I was there, there was that, that, day. that Barnsley game. There were a couple of sort of farcical moments, aren't there? There. Um, uh, we lined up the biggest wall that's ever been seen for a free kick. <laughs> and the bloke just, he didn't even bend it. He just like kicked it straight into the corner. So it was, uh, it was, it was the most useless, the biggest, most useless wall I've ever seen at a football match. I think. Oh, well, we might cover some of this when we, uh, when we talk about um, the vids, uh, Rob's been uploading a little bit later. Um, just just sticking momentarily in the present day, I wonder, do we think uh, the Premier League are any closer to uh, deciding what they're going to do with the rest of this season? Well, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I think um, it, it, can't, it can't start any time soon, can it? Um, there it looks are, unlikely, uh, doesn't it? Can't see know. it starting again before the end of May. Can't no. So then the issue of what they do about the following season and transfer windows and, you know, there are so many potential and players' contracts, there are so many potential kind of, um, you know, conundrums really that that follow from it. Um, And and what would you do if you, I mean, you know, if it becomes technically impossible in the time frame to finish finish the games before giving the players... If they are going to need a break, aren't they? But you know, before the before the next season starts, how do you sort out who you know what happens to the season? How do you sort out you know um, positions and and European qualification and so on? Because the the UEFA have said they're not going to you know you've got to qualify properly for next season's European competitions, haven't they? So you, they're not going to accept some kind of. Um, spurious calculation of you know or, or, or based on yeah well they might not have a choice though might they yeah. you know yeah. it's, not, it's like kind of going you know i demand you give me something that the person you're demanding it off yeah. doesn't have it's like I'm yeah going, you know, if each country can't finish its qualification for any of the european tournaments well they're not going to be able to provide teams for uh europa so you know what are you for yeah. rather what are you for going to do if they're if Teams don't meet, meet UEFA's criteria. UEFA won't have any tournaments. Yeah, um, well, and yeah, yeah. There's a lot of. Uh, there was a kind of. You know, there's an article in one of the Sundays, maybe the Observer or the Guardian on Saturday about. Um, um, legislating for a kind of uh, a backlog of fixtures, but it was mainly talking about next season rather than this one. In that, this, you know, somehow moving everything, uh, moving everything ahead would create a sort of backlog for next season, so 21, right. 20, um, 2021 rather. Um, 
so, you know, making a lot of the tournaments one leg, uh, perhaps getting rid of, in this country, getting rid of uh, the League Cup, just not having it. Um, And presumably that, you know, that seemed... When I when I first read the article, it seemed like a bit of an irrelevance. Uh, and well, isn't, isn't the pressing problem how we deal with this season rather than what yeah. we deal with this season? But I suppose the fact that if they don't get a summer to a rest and b, you know, buy new players and and uh, that stuff, there, there there could be a sort of problem that leaks into the twenty twenty one season. Um, yeah. It yeah. still does seem, you know, a less pressing problem at the moment. But uh, you I think know. part of the issue, part of the issue as well, is that we're not just dealing with, you know, we're not just dealing with our own country when it comes to qualification for Europe. We've got the situation in Italy and Spain. Yeah, uh, we could yeah. well go on longer than longer than we've got a, an issue, or or vice versa. And so you've, in terms of European competitions next season, that's going to be a real headache. But but I, I don't see any reason why, um, if things improve the way it's forecast to improve, that, that we shouldn't finish this season. And even if we have to start next season in November, uh, just, you know. Yeah. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Well, I mean... Surely in the, you know, the, the bodies of footballers, the very long rest they've had now will surely be seen to pay some dividends in the future. If they come back and play, you know, six weeks of football uh, and then have a couple of weeks off and then have to start again, um, that's that's not the biggest problem in the world if they've had a big rest throughout, you know, March, April and probably May. I wouldn't no, have... It, well, no, you'd say you'd thought that. I mean, it, however, it, you know, it's reaching the point where they'll have had so long off, they'll need, as it were, a kind of pre-season for to finish the season. When, yeah. You know, they won't be. You know, they can keep under lockdown. They can keep fit to a degree. They're, that you know, they have big yeah. houses with their own home gyms and things. Um, but they, you know, they they. It's not the same as competitive. It's not, it's not the same as proper training, I don't think. And, um, no. And y- you'd have to allow, you know, let's suppose to say, you know, let, let's say, you know, come the end of May, say everybody feels right, you know, the, the, you know, the thing has peaked and um, we're all out of lockdown and whatever. You're going to have to then give them a couple of weeks to get up to, and it has to be a level playing field, doesn't it? Because some teams will have been more affected by people in isolation and whatever than others possibly you've got to give them a couple of weeks just to, to get up to some kind of 
some kind of match, well, more you know, pre-season fitness, as it were. So they're going to they're going to have been off longer than they would normally in a closed season, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you know, there might just be uh, some football matches where they just kick it out of play all the time and, um, you know, <laughs> are breathing, breathing heavily and uh, you know, finding yeah. it all a bit hard and going all red in the face. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, I'm quite looking forward to the prospect of some sort of summer football. It'd be quite, you know, it'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I sort of think maybe if they do do it in kind of June and July, uh, I'm like quite, quite, quite excited by the prospect of watching <laughs> every games. Like you know, go to the pub, stand outside in the blazing heat, and go. Well, it would be quite good. I think. Quite looking forward yeah. to. It. I guess if we're allowed to, if we're allowed to go, yeah. they'll be behind closed doors. I suspect a lot of them. Do you think they'll do that? There was, yeah, there was talk of some kind of. <laughs> maybe I'm, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but I think I read something about the the notion of finishing. Um, the Premier League season as if it were a sort of tournament in in um, prescribed locations with yeah. uh, commandeered hotels in the principality of those stadiums with, um, you know, medical staff for if any of the players show sort of signs of, you know, coronavirus, uh, you know, testing all the time. So do it under in a sort of controlled environment in these locations around the country and the games are behind closed doors. Well, might potentially get West Ham out of their, their potential conflict with UK athletics. Um, because that's going to have to, that's going to get tested in the courts, isn't it? I, I would imagine whether or not yeah. they have the right to play the games at, at, um, at the London Stadium. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, I don't I mean I don't know what the legal things you know are there. I mean, all the you know, summer sports will. You know, I would imagine that there was a big concern that we won't be able to play our games because baseballs booked into the uh, stadium. But I think that, you know, basically just everything's, uh, you know, postponed and moved forward. I don't think the baseball games are just going to go ahead because some sort of power is going, no, no, we've commandeered this stadium. You now can't pay your football matches there. I think it's going to be as much the case that they'll go, well, you now have to wait to play your baseball matches till we play football. Yeah. I there is a little that says football has precedence in that stadium. So, uh, well, I, well, that's certainly Brady's claim. I mean, I'm not, I'm not so much sure, sure the um, the baseball so much of an issue, but UK Athletics rely on that. I mean, they, you know, that 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 anniversary games thing is their major cash cow. Um, yeah. Uh, so they will be, um, you know, fighting very hard to to make sure that that goes ahead. So. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not. I'm I mean, not that's aware. okay. You know, we'll just play the games, you know, somewhere else. I mean, yes, it's possible we might lose some kind of home advantage. But I mean, the whole thing's such a kind of clusterfuck at the moment that I mean, you know, if these games are behind closed doors, no one will have home advantage. So you know, mm. it doesn't make much difference really. That the ball boys being fans yeah. of your team yeah. isn't really going to be a huge thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, today, today uh, is the anniversary of uh, a game we've talked about within the last couple of weeks in our uh, lockdown period, which is that 4-0 um, away Barnsley game, which we um, 
uh, uh, invoked as uh, one of our sort of best away games. Um, it was sort of interesting. I was kind of going, maybe, just, maybe I've just got a bad memory or something. And it, it's within recent memory, so I've sort of picked that as one of my favourite games in the same way that young kids, they go, who, who's the best West Ham footballer ever? And they go Jonathan Spector because they don't know who Trevor Brooking and Bobby Moore were. Um <laughs> But uh, it was a, it was a really good game. I mean, for us, it was a really good outing. Uh, we stayed at Rob Chapman's, played poker. You know, um, various. But we met the Climpsons. We met Craig Climpson and Nicky Ballinger. There. First you know, time, yeah. Ian Price. We met that weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a great weekend, but it was, a, it was a great game as well. I mean, we talked about the experience of going to that game and the behaviour of, of our excellent away fans uh, that day with some of the most facetious songs created by humans. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, and literally getting to the point where we're trying to put our own players off once we email up, going, you know, Winston, Winston, yeah. give us a wave, Winston, give us a wave. At the point, he's wave. tackling another player. <laughs> and we just yeah. turning around and shrugging at the fans, going, I can't give you a wave. I'm playing football, you know. Yeah. It's such a funny game, so it's such a good game. But interesting, I mean, you know, the more, more rigorous analysis of, of that game... Um, I hadn't really remembered who scored the four goals. It's Nolan, a long ranger from Maynard, uh, Noble, um, after Maynard was a fantastic bit of um, closing the keeper down. That's Uh, right, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Rob? Yeah, he he kind of curled it in, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then Vaz Tay scores at the end. Um, yeah, so Nolan yeah. got his usual tap-in from a knockdown from a corner, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He was fantastic. He was really good. He kind of passes it in from about 20 yards, you know. It's like a yeah. like a really yeah. good kind of... Right in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, seek it out. I'll seek it out and upload it later. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's really good. Um, yeah, it's really good game. I mean, I just, you know, I remember... You know, we saw quite a few uh, away games. We saw a 4 0 at Watford, didn't we? And, yeah. um, you know, some of those games, I mean, I've said it before on this podcast, but, but, but Nolan, you know, that to, to give Sam his, his due, it was a stroke of genius getting the clearly, as history is now recorded, over the hill Kevin Nolan because he basically played a couple of more years and then never played professional football again uh, uh, to have a last hurrah captaining a team out of the championship because you know he just walked out with that you know ball held against his thigh leading our team out like a sort of gladiator and just stared down the other team's fans uh, basically saying you know we're going to beat your team now and we did 14 times that season yeah, yeah. You know, he was he was you know he was a, he was a fantastic acquisition, Nolan, that season. Yeah. You know, you know, we've had to sort of defend a position, Jim, and I. You know, certainly, you and I sort of in some you know social media arguments where they're going, you hate him, you hate Kevin Nolan, you hate, and and, and the reality is we don't. What 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 was uh, unlikable was. Uh, this inflexible team formation that Allardyce put out week in, week out, in which um, his place was cemented every week and uh, caused uh, a sort of, you know, in a kind of square peg round hole 
notion, the, the inability to play a creative footballer in a sort of number 10 position. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there, there came a point where, you know, he just didn't have the legs to keep up with, with, with the intensity of, of play in the Premier League. I mean, they, you know, he was, just, he was, he was not, he was one of those kind of, um, you sensed he wasn't a kind of sort of naturally fit footballer. No. He was quite, you know, he, uh, and um, it, again, great football brain, often in the right place at the right time to score a tap in uh, great. Um, I think motivator and great encourager, you know, good captain, but um yeah. You know, he was he he was kept on beyond. You know, everybody could see there were games that were just kind of completely passing him by, and you think, yeah. well, you know, if you, if we can see that, why can't why can't the man? It was just Allardyce's stubbornness that kind of stuck to the idea that our game plan was to lob it up to Big Andy and uh, Nolan will get the knockdown. You know, yeah. which would yeah. worked for a few games to start with. But, yeah, um, and 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 in the in the championship, he was uh, he was that little bit of you know cut above. The, no, he was. He was. Crazy. You know, we had a team of um, players, and that was a you know it was a really enjoyable season to watch. It was frustrating because you were seeing his tactics from the first game. You know that uh, we played Cardiff, didn't we? The first game, and we lost it one lost nil. It. Yeah, yeah. And you could see the reason we lost it, and 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 it's the reason. Um, you know, Allardyce teams lose games. You know, they hit us with a sucker punch very late on in the game after Allardyce had been playing 90 minutes for principally a clean sheet and then secondarily, if that's indeed a word, the victory. Yeah. You know, the clean sheet's more important than the victory. And uh, so we we had quite a few sucker punch games where we, you know, kept it tight and then got beat by a goal because we hadn't been adventurous enough to try and score a goal at the other end. Did you go to that Barnsley game, Rob? The 4-0 uh, the away? Yeah. No, I wasn't there that day, no. I'm gutted because... It, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was... Yeah, um, it was good. Because <laughs> Oakwell's a big stadium, actually, isn't it? It's pretty big. And yeah, I've only been, only been there once. Yeah, the end is big, and and then so you know it was that was one of the great things about the championship was to kind of you know um, pay on the day a lot of the time in uh, away ends you know, at the bigger clubs or the bigger grounds, yeah. and there must have been I reckon there was about seven thousand West Ham there that day. It was it was yeah yes it was yeah following. and and it was a real kind of party atmosphere with the conga and, and, you know... It was in the sunshine, wasn't it? Over, wasn't it? It was in sunshine. Nice day. But very quickly, was... you know, we went to a 3 nil up, you know, half was, time. Was it Easter? Was it Easter weekend? That... Uh, uh, Could have yeah, been. It might have been, yeah, it might have been. Yeah. Um, and, and there was a lot of... Even then, there was kind of... We were enjoying it all, but also mocking Allardyce, weren't we? You know, like, yes, was, that's right. he, yeah. he, you know, it was, he'd come out and said, um, you know, West Ham fans are deluded and they yes. talk bollocks. And there was yeah. this kind of song, you know, we're all deluded. We talk bollocks, um, kind of song going on. And there was the mocking of their mascot, which I, yeah. Think. I mean, there was just loads of stuff like, you know, brilliant. um, uh, basically, you know, Greeno, Greeno, give us a wave was was the sort of start of it. Um, 
you know, we're all dreaming of a team of Robert Greens uh, got sung. Then, you know, once Green, who was very good with the fans, did wave at the fans, it turned the attention was sort of Winston Reid, who they just tried. And they just started to try and get players that were in the midst of playing football to wave at them. Um, and this, the, the sort of barracking of Allardyce was sort of really good-natured. And actually Allardyce... Yeah, it was, yeah. No, walked towards the fans and sort of went, I know, I know, you know. Not that it changed his mind, but he understood why the West Ham fans were going, you know. Um, Because there was some, you know, there was some good sort of champagne football. So there was probably a bit of we play on the floor, we play on the floor. West Ham, you know, we play on the floor. As well as, uh, you know, we're deluded and we talk bollocks. Uh, And Allardyce sort of took it in, you know, good step. And uh, you know, waved at the fans and went, "Yeah, I know you think I'm a dick, but you know this. Hopefully, we're going to get back up into the Premiership." You know, and it was a, it was a good, um, you know, it's a actually in a funny way was even though the West Ham fans felt vindicated in their, you know, in in defending themselves against Allardyce's accusations, it was a little bit of a kind of armistice. It was yeah. like it was like Christmas Day, and the fans and Sam Allardyce had had a game of football. Yeah, and uh, you know, it was uh, it was uh, all very enjoyable. You know, yeah, it was. It was great. Mm. Um, you know, there's very little uh, current West Ham news to talk about, but uh, in the last sort of couple of weeks, we've been linked with um, Alexis Sanchez and Sammy Kadira. Um, is that? Yeah. Yeah, which seems very strange and, you know, probably nonsense, uh, just paper talk. But um, it, it would also seem to be very, you know, retrograde because please let us buy some young footballers. Yeah, the, 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 the newspapers, they must have two two buckets and they have in one bucket, they have a, a club. And in another bucket, they have a player and they just yeah. randomly pick out a club and a player and say, right, yeah. we're going to, uh, you know, sources close to whatever suggest that West Ham are interested in, you know, it could be anybody. Like they, it's, as far as I can see, there's absolutely no no point in looking at anyone at the moment because, A, we don't know yeah. when we're going to start again, if we're going to start again, and we're all outside of the window anyway. So, um, yeah. You know, it wouldn't happen until the close of this season, whenever it happens, you know, whenever that happens to be. Mm. So uh, I, I haven't even picked up a newspaper since uh, since lockdown. So I don't, I don't know what they're what they're filling their back pages with. No, no, it's interesting, uh, isn't it? I mean, um, yeah, I don't have, um, you know, some uh, friends of mine I've spoken to have sort of said, you know, I really miss sport. Um, and they're, you know, they're sort of people that have, I don't have Sky. I don't. I haven't got any of the Sky Sports channel, so I don't really watch a lot of sport on television. You know, uh, so having never had it, I don't really miss it. But um, uh, you know, I, I mean, what what are Sky Sports filling their schedules with? Well, uh, old reruns of old uh, old matches. Yeah, on the whole, yeah. I've. Uh, uh, just to, uh, as a point on that, if if anyone who has Sky Sports, um, uh, if you just go to the Sky Sports website, you can suspend uh, the payments uh, until they will automatically start collecting payments again when the football starts, um, oh, which is quite quite a good thing. Well, that's good to know. 
Um, there's one thing, where, uh, you know, as well as as our own podcasts, I did that, um, uh, you know, we had Sam Delaney on last week and um, uh, the week before that I did his uh, U-Irons uh, podcast. And there was a conversation that started up with um, ex, uh, ex-WHU employee, um, Sean Wetstone and myself uh, and Sam, um, about this sort of rumour that, that, that Chelsea want Declan Rice. And uh, similarly, it's sort of paper talk, really. And, and it's one of those stories that feels like it should have a basis in truth because he was a trainee there. And Frank Lampard wants young players in his team. And he's one of his best mate is Mason Mount and, and stuff like that. But what I sort of didn't really get around to saying on, on Sam's podcast was, was that I, I sort of thought um, teams with a lot of money can afford players that, you know, uh, I mean, hush my mouth for, for saying it, might be a little better than Deck, who is, you know, developing still as a footballer. And an example I would give is that our first game uh, of the season, uh, Manchester City came to the Thunderdome and had a completely new signing who hadn't needed some games to bed in in the way that Pablo Fornells appears to have done and uh, uh, Felipe Anderson and, um, you know, Yarmolenko were deemed to have done, came out and immediately bullied all of our players and was their Fernandinho replacement and looked the business straight out the gate in his first ever football match in the Premier League, Rodri. And, you you know, you sort of think players like that are sort of available. And, and, and you know, with the best will in the world, Declan Rice isn't Rodri. And he's also not, you know, the, the, the conversation went along the lines of, well, Kante may be, you know, coming to the end of things. You're also going, Declan Rice isn't, isn't Kante either. Um and, uh, and, you know, I was wondering what we thought about that. I think, you know, I love Declan Rice. He's great, but I, I'm not quite sure what sort of a player he is. And I think that's going to, you know, impact on where he goes with England as um, well. Yeah, but he is English. And, of course, that, that that's a, there's a premium on that in terms of squads and, you know, quality, European qualification and, and whatnot. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, as you say, he's young. Uh, Lampard, I would imagine, would would you know, like the idea of working with him and, and think he could make him better. Um, you know, as you say, his mates, it's an obvious kind of put two and two together kind of story. Um, yeah. Uh, I think it would be, I, I actually think it would be a mistake. And I'm not sure Chelsea are going to, uh, you know, I don't, with, with, the, with, the, with the situation with Abramovich and whatever, I, I, you know, how long is he going to retain interest if he can't even come into the country? I'm not sure where they're going, really. Um, I, I'm not sure that would be... If he's going to move on to the next level club, as it, as it were, I'm not sure that's necessarily the one. Um, no, no. You know, we'll see. Just on, on that point that point you made about Rodri um, starting, uh, firing on all cylinders, uh, it, it's a lot easier to slot into a team like Manchester City and um, have the freedom to play your game than to... And to, yes. you know, for the likes of Fournells or or Anderson to come into a, a team like West Ham and and and, and yeah. be hit the ground running, I would I would suggest, and I would also suggest that if Declan Rice was parachuted into uh, a Manchester City or a Chelsea, he would 
he would look better than he does now. Yes, that's probably true. Better players around him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. It's. I mean, it, it also depends. You know, uh, what sort of player you saw him being. You know, uh, I mean, he's. Um, mm. He's. Uh, um, his strength at the moment seems to be as a kind of defensive midfielder, and I think when a team has more confidence, uh, it feels that it doesn't necessarily need someone who's just going to be a sort of destroyer. Because um, you know, uh, Ian Bishop, um, you know, in a sort of interview that I read recently, talked about kind of midfield combinations, and he said that so you know Martin Allen, who was probably his most sort of consistent partner uh was quite a skilled player himself and wasn't just a destroyer and um you know was saying why do you need to win the ball back if you don't lose it in the first place and uh you know i think there's a sort of you know there's a there's something to be said for that it's like you know um is is declan is declan really just a kind of Gareth Barry is just a sort of destroyer or is he a sort of Ross Barkley is he someone who's sort of creative and makes runs you know obviously you know Bonzo is a very good example that I still think remains current today of a player that there's really not many like that Kante might be you know the sort of closest that football is sort of creating in that sort of mould of a player that basically does everything because they're so fit um, I think he's more, I mean uh, Rice is more than a, he's, well he's not really a destroyer I don't think, I think he, he's he's a he's a better footballer than, than that and, uh, Well he was a centre back last, yeah. you know, last season Yeah I know, but well yeah, but I mean he um, uh, he, we've seen him make those runs uh, um, I think he's good with the ball at his feet but not very often, and only when the team's going well. I mean, it's difficult well, because he's playing in a kind of sort of slightly misfiring team. So certainly, the you know things like the Bournemouth game when we started to sort of you know take a bit of control of that game and look finally like we weren't going to get B. Um, he made some runs then, and uh, it actually in the Arsenal game we saw um, uh, the Emirates. He um, he in the second half grew into the game a little bit and yeah. uh, made some runs, you know. Yeah. But um, There were some great ones. Second half at Man City, in that away game at Man City, he was mm. getting forward. Um, the, the goal, in inverted commas, he made for Snodgrass at, at Sheffield United was a fantastic bit of football. I mean, yeah. I, I, think he's a, I, think he's a, I think he's class. I think he's a really, really good player. Um, and we won't ultimately be able to hang on to him. I think he will end up... And I think he'll do well. You know, he's, he's yeah. Well, it'd be great to get some good years out of him. I mean, I think it you know, would, yeah. It's it would. but it is a question of not 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 only what his virtues are, but what sort of a footballer he is perceived as. Because I sort of think you know his England career, um, you know, is is still in a kind of uh, probationary sort of period. I think he. His performances for West Ham got him sort of into the England setup very much as a kind of defensive uh, midfielder. But they'll feel that if they can kind of um, 
you know, find players that sort of are all the full package, maybe they would move from a sort of, from a kind of Gareth Barry type to a Jordan Henderson type. And it's up to him to prove that he is that type. Yes, I think that, that, I mean, that, I think you've mentioned the right potential kind of future model for him is, is, is Henderson, um, uh, who has had a fantastic season for Liverpool um, and has really grown into a better footballer than I, when you first saw him, you imagined he was going to be. So, um, yeah. yeah, you know, but I think you've got to be playing for a club and for that kind of manager. You know, Klopp has made Henderson a much, much, much better player than he yes. was. And, uh, you know, I think Rice will be, you know, that, that's the other thing about going to those kinds of clubs. You get to work with people like Klopp and Guardiola who are going to make you better, who are going to make you better. Because, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, um, he faces a difficult choice, doesn't he? In the next year or two, one imagines. Does he go? Yes, yes. Still, isn't he? He can still be. You know, he's still improving. I think at West Ham. So it's a difficult one. Really difficult. Yeah, it is hard, and I think it's you know down to sort of um, uh, you know Moyes to see how to kind of uh, uh, you know deploy Suchek, uh, Rice. And, you know, other midfield players, because, you know, it was, you know, I think it was interesting to all of us when Suchek came in and in his first game, which was that the Brighton. Um, Yeah. And that was a a terrific game for Suchek to come in. Uh, Hey, this is great. Oh, hang on. Oh, shit. Who's this this shower I've joined? Um, he was played. He seemed to have a much more free role. Perhaps the role that Rice would have been looking, going, "Oh, that should be me. He should be. He yeah. should be for the breaking up. I should be the one that's kind of, you know, yeah. getting forward and stuff." But you know, for what he did at his previous team, Suchek would seem to be, you know, have the potential to score and make goals. Uh, yeah. Because that seemed to be his, you know, his his talent at his previous club. But uh, you know, he also has that very good engine. Yeah, yeah. So it's gonna, you know, it's a hard, it's a conundrum. Yeah, yeah, it is. yeah. I agree. Anyway, um, so. Rob, the videos you've been putting up have been uh, uh, a pretty chronological uh, journey from uh, the the season after our triumphant third place finish, where we um, again uh, we slightly ran out of steam in the eighty six eighty seven season, and we could so easily have finished uh, in fourteenth, but we 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 slightly faded and uh, only managed fifteenth place, which I think was was disappointing. When fourteenth was so so clearly it's in- just there for the taking yeah we just fell at that last hurdle um it's funny, mean, funny. go on rob because uh, I mean, everyone's seen the you know ad nauseum the boys of 86 uh yeah. video the run out again and again and you see the 8-1 win over newcastle you see the yeah um 4-0 win over chelsea at Stamford bridge and i think 86 87 is pretty much a forgotten season in the um yeah. You know, it was all essentially the same team. Uh, yeah. Certainly, it's, I don't think they they bought anyone in the summer, so it was essentially the same uh-huh. team that started. And we got off to a good start. You know, we yeah. won one, two, and drew drew one of the first three games, and then had this this horrible run at home of 
um, I think we lost three in a row at home or something and um, just couldn't couldn't sort of get it together. Um, and then, a, a, you know, another horrible run just after Christmas, um, uh, again at home mainly, um, and and bought the wrong player in when when the, they finally did decide to invest in uh, Stuart Robson in, in January. Yeah. Really wasn't what the team needed. No. Um, and um, I think the the the, the sort of the, the cast was set then for the next few years. And yeah, Brady, um, Brady came in that season as well, didn't he? He did. He came in in March, I think. I, um, I was going to ask you about Brady because watching those watching those videos i mean um in amongst the the disappointing results in that 86 87 season there was still some absolutely champagne football being oh yeah i mean that's what i mean about it being a forgotten season you know you know there were um, there were some great great games i mean think of the chelsea chelsea 5-3 yeah um god that was a fantastic match yes Um, um just i just wondered i wonder about brady because I mean, I loved it, but when I, you know, I, I, I it was a fantastic individual player, but um, the team in 85, 86 and the team that you watch a lot of the time in the highlights, because obviously it, it, it misses out a lot of the, the shit, doesn't it? And you see yes. a good attacking West Ham football in that 86, 87 uh, highlights reel. Um it is that one touch fast, but it's very direct for football, isn't it? It's very, it's, yeah. there's this, this West Ham way. It's not ticker tacker. They really get the ball back the, to front very, very, very quickly. Tactic, the um, tactic in 85, 86 was long diagonal balls to, yeah. um, to McAvenny and Cotty. And they got more um, pace and, and yeah. not on the wing, you know, and then Devonshire's kind of, kind of, kind of trickery. So, you you had that and and Dickens was no no slug was he in those days? Oh, he was he was great. Yeah. Um, so if his finishing if his finishing had been a little better, yeah, he would have exactly. Been a real real class so, player. I suppose my question is, I wonder whether in many ways Brady, when he came in, was a bit of um a bit like Mark Noble kind of does not obviously much better player, but but um, a bit like Noble tends to kind of put his foot on the ball, slow things down a little bit. Um, mm. I wonder whether, again, in a way, uh, it was wonderful to watch him in some respects. He scored some great goals and, and, and created some great goals. But I wonder whether, in terms of the style of the team, he contributed to a kind of, kind of slowing down, a kind of more measured mm. approach play. Because um, I remember a lot of the time in that re- that, that season, 87-88 eight, and 88-89 was the relegation season. I remember us having quite a lot of the ball in a lot of games, and doing that kind of just passing it side to side across, yeah, and and kind of that sort of sense that always in our attacks the opposition seemed to kind of have time to organise their defence. Whereas in the in the, in you know with with the great the eighty five eighty six team or whatever, we're just hitting people so fast that the um, you know very often they 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 were they were caught out you know. Yeah, I mean, doing a lot of playing well and losing uh, yeah. was sort of my memory of that time because obviously it is a it's a pretty precipitous decline from third, uh, eighty six, eighty seven, we're fifteenth, uh, eighty seven, eighty eight, we're sixteenth, eighty eight, eighty nine, we go down. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of the players are the same players, same yeah. good players, good yeah. footballers. Um, Bonzo comes back in in eighty six, eighty seven, doesn't he? And um, because he misses a 
nearly all of 85, 86? He was, yeah, he was injured for the entire season. Yeah. Um, so for all intents and purposes, he'd retired, I think. Yeah. I mean, and he must have been he big yeah. by the time he came back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, and plays really well. I mean, he plays really well. He's hammer of the year, isn't he? I mean, somehow, yes, absolutely, he was. Yeah. There were some horrendous signings in defence, though, weren't they? I mean, Paul Hilton. Yeah. Stroder, Stroder, as that the commentator <laughs> uh, calls him. Um, I mean, Stroder was was up there with the worst central defenders I think I've I've seen in Clarence Blue. He was terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think know, it just could... it just goes to illustrate how um, things changed from, from from in the early eighties, being trendsetters and buying paying for the most expensive goalkeeper and you know, paying QPR enough money to build a whole stand for Paul Goddard. And uh, suddenly we were um, not investing that summer after the most successful season. And then we were buying, we were were buying unheard of left backs from Aberdeen. And um, yeah. uh, You know, as you say, Gary Strodder, who was playing for Lincoln city, I think. And just, you know, what was going on? Um, We should have been, that summer, we should have invested, should have replaced Devonshire because he was, you know, obviously his knees were held together with string. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, he only plays half a season, 86 yeah. episodes. Yeah. And yeah. Goddard, Goddard. Goddard comes in, Ince comes in that season, doesn't he? Because mm. he's in the youth team and he uh, he comes in. And from what I remember in that season, he's good. Mm. I wonder if yes. he should have got more game time. Yeah, no, we had good young players as well, didn't we? On to, to to build around, we had Keane coming through. Yeah, Steve Park started through. to be a regular at that point, um, didn't he? You know, um, you know, Slater was not long, not far behind uh, Dolan. Um, yeah. You know, that was a nucleus of young players that, if you'd have brought, if if there'd have been some shrewd, you know, key purchases in the right areas, if we'd have really shored up the central defence, which was just like like kind of polystyrene a lot of the time in those videos. You can see I mean, just people just carve straight through, don't they? Um, Do you think we, it might be sacrilegious to say that sort of, you know, some some blame does lie at the door of uh, Lyle? You know, well, I, I think, I think so, it yeah. does. Yeah, I think yeah. so. The sort of magic came off. He sort of was, was expecting was expecting some of his regulars to keep doing what they did. I mean... Um, Cotty scores you know, a decent amount in sixty uh, in eighty six eighty seven, doesn't he? But um, yeah. McAvenny, I think, scores quite a lot less. Yeah, he was injured for quite a bit of that season yeah. as well, McAvenny. Yeah, yeah. um, and uh, well, Cotty, that was the last season when a West Ham striker got twenty goals in the top flight. Right, yeah, yeah. eighty six, eighty seven, eighty seven. Yeah, he no, he was still knocking them in. Still, still knocking them in. Yeah. 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 Yeah, interesting, but it was uh, yeah, it was a it was a, an annoyingly precipitous sort of decline, you know, and that's before, you know, um, you would have seen Leicester's, you know, sort of an uh, anomalous win of the uh, championship a few years ago um, as as something that you know eventually. In fact, the next season, one of the teams with massive money then wins it. Um, and uh, but it wasn't like that at that time. And we, you know, we could have kept 
our position at the top. But we not only didn't do that <laughs> within three seasons of third place, we were down yeah. in the uh, second yeah. flight. And yeah, well, it's very analogous to what happened after the um, you know twenty years later after the Pardew good season, mm. isn't it? And it, it's a yeah. similar situation. You know, the, a, a, a kind of a good spirited. Um, team of the, the, of players that had stayed relatively injury free, um, you know, it, everything looked right to build on that success, and it's just like a kind of complacency, isn't it? Like a failure to realise that that is exactly the time to yeah. make key investment. And then, and then you start panicking and buying a, you know, rush buying somebody to fill in yeah. a, some particular, yeah. you know, not someone that you would normally have bought, but. Um, you needs must, or you or you haven't got the money that you need to to invest in the right areas, and and yeah. it all goes instead of instead of building on success, you know. And it's you know, the club's got a history of doing it. I mean, even after you know, yes. there's the old story of Bobby Moore going in to see Ron Greenwood after winning the World Cup in '66 and saying, right, you know, what what's the plan? How are we going to move West Ham forward with these three World Cup winners? And he was like, oh, no, we're not bringing anyone in. We're just going to carry on as we are. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Think- well, we should probably um, let's probably wrap this up fairly soon. But um, uh, earlier today, I asked uh, um, Russell Raphael to uh, uh, be on the podcast. He couldn't do it this evening, but um, uh, very kindly, he uh, he gave us three questions uh, right. uh, for me to pose to you two. Uh, they're quotes and. Uh, okay. He wants the uh, he wants the quota, I think. Uh, so uh, this is the first one. Um, Are you going to do, do them in the style of? Or, or uh, no, not in the style. Of, no, no. Uh, it would. My vocal impressions are so uh, accurate that it would give you too broad a clue as to oh, what the answer. Right. You see, um, so uh, the first one is: um, I nearly cried. It was very emotional. His agent, his agent Rachel Anderson, explains. So and so, this is the player, wanted a team that the fans wouldn't normally see. We quite like the idea of Celtic or Rangers, but couldn't get them for love nor money. This quote is from. It's the agent. Nearly cried. The agent. Yeah, the Rachel from... Anderson is Julian Dix's agent. And the answer, yes, is Julian Dix. It's the it's talking about his testimonial. Ah, okay. So they eventually got Atletico Bilbao. Yeah, Atletico um, Bilbao. Yeah. <laughs> so um, here is a quote. Um, well, there's two things to guess here. Um, another rule change that greatly affects the goalkeeper is the blank blank rule. Says blank blank. Well, it must be back pass rule, is it? Um, um, so it's a rule change. It's a goalkeeper at the time. Yeah. Oh. Ludek McCloskey? No. Robert Green? No. Oh. David, David James? No. Um, okay, well, I'll say that I'll say the rule. Okay, so that's the, it's the holding the ball for seven seconds rule. Uh, okay. So when who was the goalkeeper when yeah, think that, that rule yeah. came in? Shaka Hislop. I, I can't remember when that rule came in. It is Shaka Hislop. Yeah, nice one. Um, now, 
Okay, this this will just be, it doesn't matter who said this, it's about whom, and I think it's a sports journalist saying it. His arrival at Upton Park on a free transfer may well prove to be one of Harry Redknapp's shrewdest deals. Uh, and a, a clue is, it's a striker. Uh, I suppose this is probably going to be ironic. Yes, it is ironic. I was about. To say, <laughs> I was about to say it is ironic. Well, it's not boogers because they paid a fee for him. Yes. Mike Newell. Mike Newell. No, no, no. Um, Wasn't Mike Newell just alone? No, it could have been. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was just alone. Yeah. Thank God. That's free transfer. Uh, Davor Suke? Yes! Davor Suke. Well done. Well done. Because, I mean, he only played about like nine times or something. (laughs) Really barely played for us. Uh, And was really hopeless. Another another useless transfer from Arsenal. There have been a few. Mm. There have been some good ones, though. There are, yes. Yes, there have been some. Liam Brady? He came from Italy, didn't he? Italy. Oh, that's true. Yes, yeah. he, did. he did come from Italy. Um, I love the way John. he celebrates scoring against Arsenal, though, isn't it? None of those bollocks about don't don't celebrate against your old club. Yeah, yeah. And got booked. I think he got booked. It was the season they yes. brought in booking for celebrating with the fans, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. that It's on, yeah, it's on um, Rob's uh, yeah. YouTube clip, isn't it? Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. Hartson, Wright, Winterburn, Carl Jenkinson. Yeah, all right, yeah, yes, yeah, true. Yeah. John Radford for our, our Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and... Freddie Jumberg. Um, Freddie um The uh, sort of... North um, African uh, 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 Shamak. Shamak, yeah, yeah. Well, he didn't really, he didn't really get a run out, did he? Okay, fair enough. He didn't really get much of a run out. I quite like Shamak, not particularly for us. He went to Palace, didn't he? he was good there. He scored against us, didn't he? Yeah. He did. One of it. All right. Well, I think that might be about it uh, for this week's Stop Hammer Time. Uh, um, any other business, gentlemen? No, no, that's fine. No, that's good. I think, yeah. I shall, I shall carry on in twenty-minute segments, uh, and hopefully, uh, uploading you know season highlights in twenty-minute segments, and hopefully this this business will end before I get up to date. That'll be great. Yes, yes. Looking forward Excellent. to it. Thank yeah. you. Um, as you all know, an irrational hatred of everything is available in all good shops, good bookshops, and online. Uh, so uh, do buy yourself a copy if you haven't got it. Uh, in fact, all of Rob's books are a brilliant um, uh, evocation uh, and a great aid memoir for uh, uh, West Ham games. Uh, reading them brings back a lot of sort of memories, as well as telling you a lot about Rob's life. And, um, and so you can't go wrong on either of those respects. Um, uh, my name is Phil Whelans. With me have been uh, Jim Grant. Cheerio. And Rob Banks. Good night. Come on, you irons. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at westhampodcast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs>